0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. All right, guys, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 12. We are doing a series on meeting Jesus. We want to get to know him. And today, especially when we look at verses 27 through 36, we're, we're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to get to know him. Now, why is that so important? Well, here's, here's what I find. I know it's true in my life, and I think it's true for a lot of us, is that sometimes you and I, We just take things for granted. What do you mean, I take things for granted? Well, I think one thing we take for granted is our salvation. We take for granted that we have a relationship with Christ through Jesus. We have forgiveness. And we just go about our everyday lives like, okay, yeah, I'm saved. But it really doesn't impact us. It really doesn't, it doesn't really affect our everyday lives. In fact, sometimes we might go a whole week or more, maybe months, without even thinking about the fact that he he saved me. So we take things for granted. One thing I know with that, not just with salvation, I think we take Jesus for granted. What do you mean we take Jesus for granted? Well, I think we know Jesus died for me. So we just know that. Jesus died for me. Jesus, when he died for me, he took my sin upon himself and I have forgiveness Yes, we know that. We, we know that with that salvation, we've been forgiven. I now have a relationship. Jesus didn't want me to be alone, so he gave me the Holy Spirit. So the moment I came to him in Christ, the Holy Spirit entered into my life. I have all of that knowledge, but I'll be honest with you, we take it for granted because I don't really think, when we think about him dying for us, that we really understand what that means or even what he went through in order for you to have the relationship that you have with him. I think sometimes we just take it for granted. And that's why, to be honest with you, why we're doing this series is because I want you to understand. So when we talk about Jesus dying for you, that's not just a theological statement that we throw out there that we agree with. Yes, I agree with that. I want you to understand the sweat, the blood that went into that statement what he went through, for you to have that. And I think we understand that. I think about it in, in everyday life, if you think about it, sometimes, okay, like if you have a loved one, you pour your heart into doing something for them to make sure that their day happens or, or this thing happens for them. And you are just, you, you, you are spending nights thinking about it. You're doing everything you can to make it happen for them so that it is perfect and you're you're doing it to the nth degree for them. And then they, they get to enjoy that. But they just take it for granted. All that blood, sweat, and tears that you poured into that for them, right? Because you did it for them. And we're like that. We're like that special loved one that we do that for. Not realizing what was done so that you could have it. So here you are. You're enjoying your salvation. You're enjoying the forgiveness. You're enjoying the reality that you can go to him in prayer. You're enjoying the hope that you have later on by being able to go to be with him when you die. But I don't think sometimes, and I know it's true for my life, I don't think we think about what he did for us. What it meant for him. And what he accomplished. That really benefits you and I. And we're going to get a glimpse of it here. In chapter 12. So chapter 12. Obviously is before. This is the week before he gets crucified. He's entered into the city. In a triumphant entry. So this is on the Sunday. Maybe even the Monday at this point. He's headed to the cross. He knows his hour has come. Before he said my hour has not come. Now he's saying my hour has come. And he is experiencing something because he knows what he has to do and what he's going to do for you and I is real to him and I think sometimes we take that for granted so I want you to notice with me we're going to look at it we're going to look at his struggle we're going to look at the job that he has to do the task that's at hand for him and hopefully we'll understand it better and hopefully with that we won't take him for granted so notice with me verse 27 This is Jesus speaking. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world is cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. The people answered him, We have heard... From the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtakes you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. And While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. All right, so first thing we're going to see is the struggle. Sometimes I think in our taking it for granted what Jesus does for you, we just kind of think like he's just kind of this superhero. He knows he's going to be crucified, so he just goes. He he goes through that experience because he knows what he has to do. Well, the reality is, is that he is fully God, but yet he's also fully human. And when you're fully human... Tell me, you ever have something to do and you feel anxious before you have to do it? You know, I, I was kind of reminded of that this week. You know, last Sunday we dropped, we dropped our son off in Harrisburg for him to be able to ship out for his basic training for the Navy. So that kind of reminded me of when my dad dropped me off at Fort Jackson at the MEP Center and I had to go for my basic training in the Army. And, and the reality was as I remember thinking about that first night in the barracks, thinking after I got my shower and I was going to the bunk and then there, down the other end of the barracks, two guys from New York were talking to themselves and I didn't know the drill sergeant was listening over the intercom and all of a sudden three drill sergeants busted into there and we're all PTing and into a sweaty mess and then they told us to go to bed. Sweaty! And while I'm doing those push-ups and stuff, I'm thinking to myself, you know, why am I here? I'm very anxious right now. Six miles outside of my base is where my mom and dad live, where my bedroom is. Why am I here? We have anxiety, right? About things that are coming before us that we don't truly understand yet or we know that are not going to be a good experience. Jesus had that same experience. In fact, we see that right here in Scripture, verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. Why would he be troubled? Because he's got to go through it. Here's the point I want you to see. Jesus was emotionally burdened by the task at hand. So I want you to understand, when you and I think about being saved, when you and I think about the salvation that we have, the forgiveness of our sins, the hope that we have for the future, the relationship that we now have with God, it required a price. It required somebody to go through something very serious and the person who's going to go through it, yes he's God and he can do it but he also is fully human and with that the emotions are there because he's going to have to experience that pain and he's going to have to experience that death. So he's emotionally burdened. We know that. Why? Because in just a few chapters later when we get to chapter 17 he's praying in the garden And he's what? Asking the Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass by. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What's going on? That internal struggle of the humanity of him with what has to happen. And I think the blessing of this is, is even though he's emotionally on edge about what's going on, he's still determined to do what he's supposed to do. So Jesus focused on the task so that the Father is glorified. That's my next point there. He's focused on the task so that the Father is glorified. He knows why he's there. He's just going to go ahead and do it even though the anxiety level is high. He's going to do it. Why? For you and I. For you and I. You. Me. Me with all my warts, all my issues, all my problems, all my stuff, all my mistakes, all my shame. He's going to go through that He's on edge about it. He's going to go through that because he loves me. He's going to go through that because he loves you with your stuff, with your problems, with your issues, with your hang-up, with your anger. He's going through that for you because he and the Father decided long ago that this would happen. And that's what we see there, the, the struggle that he's going through. And I, and I think it's you and I need to recognize that, that while he's struggling with that, he's, he's determined to do this. Why? Because he loves you. I think that's so important for you and I to understand. Why? You know, because here's the thing. I'll, I'll just talk about myself. When I take it for granted, the relationship with Jesus, and it's easy to do that, I trivialize my relationship with him when I take it for granted the relationship that I have with God I trivialize it I don't mean to But that's what I do. You understand what I'm talking about. When you're in a relationship with a human being and you take the other person for granted, you will trivialize that relationship. You will make assumptions like, oh, they'll always be there. Oh, they'll put up with me about this issue. They'll do this. And you just make assumptions. Sometimes they're wrong assumptions. And you just kind of go on with life and do whatever. I think as a believer, we do that a lot with God because we don't realize what he went through for us. Oh, we understand the benefit of it. We trivialize it. This is what's so awesome about Jesus. I mean, seriously, think about it. If it had been anybody else, I mean, if, 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 if I was in Jesus' shoes right now, okay? If I was in Jesus' shoes, if it was me, thankfully it isn't me, I'll be honest with you, if I knew that I'm going in just a few short days I'm going to be taken and whipped beyond comprehension, beaten, bruised, hung on a cross and die, and I'm told the reason why I'm going to do it is so that you guys can be okay. I mean, I love you, but it ain't happening. Do you, you know what I'm saying? I might do it for Lori and my kids, but I ain't doing it for you. And and you know what? You laugh at me and you say, oh, uh, sure, George, you wouldn't do it for us. Yeah, you wouldn't do it for me either. Do you understand what I'm saying? But this is what I want you to understand. He loved humanity. And even though he's emotionally torn up about what's going on here, he's doing it for us so that the Father will be glorified in our lives. This is what's so important. So then the task, why does he want to do it? Because when you look at verses 28 to 36, it's going to tell you six things specifically here that you and I need to recognize as to why the cross had to take place. Why is he going? And so he knows why he's going. So so first of all, the guy who says that Jesus was needlessly put on a cross, he didn't really have an understanding of what was going on, he was a bum rap he went through, all of that's baloney. Why? Because he knows exactly why he's going to the cross. He tells us right here in this passage. He's wanting to accomplish some specific things for you and I that are very important for you and I to grasp in our lives. So let's look at it. Look with me, first of all, at verse 28 through 30. So Jesus is saying, in verse 28, Father, glorify your name. So glorify yourself to what I'm about to do. And here's what the Father, the voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered, and others said an angel had spoken to them. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. So all this is happening. Even the audible, whatever they heard, affirmation of what Jesus is saying was for their sake. Not for Jesus. Jesus already knows. He's in a close relationship with the Father. He knows that he's doing what he's supposed to do. But why is this, why is this voice happening? For them to know for sure, that what's going to happen is going to happen. So, here's what I'm saying God the Father confirmed Jesus' task for our benefit. So, Jesus is not on his own, I'm just what I'm doing for myself. No, the Father is saying, I'm with you on this. And I'm audibly saying this so that everybody else understands we're in this together for you and I. What are we in this for? Well, here's what he does. First of all, verse 31, look with me. First part. Now is the judgment of the world. Here's the first thing I need you to understand. The cross will bring judgment on this world. Okay. It is, I, I'm a recovering news I'm a news junkie. Um, I l- listen to news all the time. Well, I have to say, I used to. Because I realized that my emotions were percolating too much. And I'm, I'm kind of like a boiler that doesn't have a relief valve that's getting ready to explode. Some of you are there. And news doesn't help me. And I know from interacting, it doesn't help some of you either. Okay? So, Having said that, what am I saying here? I've had to come to the place to realize that I really, it's me, George, the guy who sits in the back office in the back during the week, interacts with you wherever, Spanky's or wherever I might have coffee with you, McDonald's, all of those different places, and I only have control over what's happening around me and maybe I can give you some guidance of what's happening in your life, but I don't have any control of what's happening in Washington. I don't have any control of what's happening in New York, in the UN, I don't have any control about what's going on in the world right now. I just have, I don't even, sometimes I think I don't even have control about what's happening in my office. Have you been there? So rather than going crazy, I've had to come to the place to realize the important truth. And the truth is, Jesus is saying here, verse 31, now is the judgment of the world. What is the judgment of the world? He's going to the cross. How's that the judgment of the world? Hey, it's setting in motion the reality of what's going to be. The fact is, through his death on the cross, our world is judged, sin will be punished. The redeemed will be redeemed. And everything will be set right. Not in our time, but in his time, right? This is his task. Because isn't that what we want from him? When are you going to straighten this out, Lord? First thing, the cross will bring judgment on the world. Here's the second one I think is very important for you to understand. The power of Satan was broken. Look again, verse 31. He says this now this is the judgment of the world, the ruler of this world will be cast out. The cross broke the power of Satan. When you say Satan's still around, yes, until that point when Jesus comes back and sets everything in motion with his second coming, but the power of Satan has been broken. How do I know the power of Satan has been broken? Because he's been broken in your life. He has no more control over you. You know, I hear people all the time, well, you know, I don't want to, you, you know, like those commercials sometimes, like Super Bowl commercials, some guy selling his soul to the devil to get Alexis. That's just trivial. You don't need to sell your soul to the devil. He already owns you. Unless you know Jesus. Why? Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who are perishing. Who's the God of this world? Satan. That power was broken where? On the cross where he what? Crushed his head as his heel was bruised. Satan has no control over you. Now does he try to influence you, try to accuse you, lie to you? Yeah. But you can always say what? No. In fact, isn't that what we're told to do? Resist the devil and he'll what? Flee from you? Where did that all begin? Where did that become possible? At the cross. The reality of Jesus going He's accomplishing what for, his, for, his, for us? Freedom. You're no longer a slave. You belong to Him. This is why He's doing it. This is the task it's it's even more than that what's going on here look here's the thing verse 32 this is an awesome passage it has special meaning for you and I look with me at verse 32 he says this and I if I am lifted up from the earth will draw all peoples to myself who's all peoples you and I Gentiles because remember who's he talking to Jews And he's making the point that I'm just not the Messiah for for Israel. I am the Messiah for everyone. And if I am lifted up, signifying the death that he would experience, he's going to what? Draw all peoples to himself. All peoples for salvation. So here's the point I want you to see. Jesus will draw all men to himself. No matter who they are. No matter where they are. On the economic status level. No matter what the color of their skin is. What their cultural background is. He's going to draw all men to themselves. And you know what the blessing of that is? We benefit from that. Isn't that awesome? He's He doesn't, I, I noticed something, when I'm looking at this, there's no asterisk there for some sort of footnote at the bottom of my Bible that says everybody but you. Everybody but your social class. Everybody but your Ethnic. It's everybody. He's drawing everybody. He's drawing you. That means you're special. Because of him. This is the task. And he's, yeah, he's suffering the anguish, but he knows he's got to do this for our benefit. If I ponder this for a while, it will cause me not to take it for granted. What do you mean, George? If you pause for a moment and you think about what Jesus accomplished and the fact that you and I can now have salvation because he's drawing all men to himself. If you pause for a moment, you'd realize that if it wasn't for Jesus, you and I don't have any hope. Why? Because we're not Jewish, and only the Jews could experience the promises that were given to them to the patriarchs, to to Moses and to David. The rest of us were without hope. But because of Jesus, He didn't just come for His people. He came to draw another people to them. He's already said that earlier. I've come for other sheep are not of this fold. That's us. Remember when he said that he was a great shepherd? You begin to realize that the salvation that you have in Christ is really special because if it wasn't for him you wouldn't have it. And you'd be without hope. Let's go on. Here's what he does. With that, when we realize that he's doing these things, what does he call to us? He's going to make a call to us. Look with me at verse 35 and 36. Here's what he says. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. So two things I'm going to point out here. First of all, Jesus calls us to live in the light. Live in the light. Now, okay, what does that mean, George? Maybe that's a question for finding clarity. Now, I can answer it right now. Who is the light? Jesus already said, I am the light of the world. Didn't he say that earlier? So when he's talking about living in light, that means living in Jesus. What does that mean? That means the focus of your life isn't your IRA or your 401k. The focus of your life isn't the dreams that you have for your house or for your property. The focus of your life isn't the vacation that you got scheduled Somewhere or the retirement plan at work or what you want to achieve in life or whatever. That focus of your life is Jesus. Because all those other things, they're trivial, right? They can all disappear. Yeah, just take a look at your retirement plan. Did well at the beginning of the year, where's it at now, right? But isn't that how things run? Good thing we don't look at those things, right? But then what's for sure is what? Jesus. So live in his light. Live for him. This is what he's calling us to. Live in the light. Now when do we talk about calling us to live in the light? Immediately people start thinking, "Okay, so where do I volunteer?" Well, you know what? We need you to volunteer, but that's not called living in the light. Living in the light is just living the way that God called you to live your life wherever it is, wherever you are. At your workplace, at your home, among your family, the way you treat somebody at a store or a restaurant, or when you're on the phone with a telemarketer, right? Live in the light. Because here's this, here's the thing. By believing in him as the light, we become children of the light. I think that's one of the things we forget, okay? Because remember I told you that we have a tendency to take it for granted, and we trivialize. I think we forget. Here's what we forget. You're a child of God. So here's the point. If you go back to the other verse, Live like one. Now, that doesn't mean become a Holy Joe. But it means you live your life the way you think God wants you to live your life. It's a new life. All right, George, so why don't you wrap this up for us? Okay, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus, yes, he went to the cross, but I need you to understand he gave his all to go to the cross. Why? For you. For you. Because he loves you. And by doing that, he set in motion so many things. What? That one day he's going to make it all right. Number two, the power of Satan over your life. It's broken. It's gone. Not just the power of Satan, we know from other passages. The power of sin. It's broken. You can say no to it. He's calling men to himself. And you're one of them. And he's saying to you, live in the light of me. Live in the light for me. Why? Because you're my child. You are a child of the light. That'll change your focus. And it might alleviate some of the frustration. Because if you're just focused on yourself, I already know, because I know from experience, we're in a constant state of frustration because even though we may get some of what we want, a lot of what we want doesn't happen. It's because our focus is in the wrong place let's put it back on Jesus. Hi folks, this is George. I want to thank you for listening this morning, and I want to tell you about a free app that you can get for your mobile device that will allow you to access all the materials and information you need about our church in one device. Simply go to your app store on your Android or Apple device and search for Kerwinsville Christian Church. The app is free And what you'll find there is everything you need to know, plus all the teaching from our church, as well as this program. And we hope that you will utilize that in your search for Christ. Until next week, folks, take care and may the Lord bless you.